in our, our reading from First Peter today, uh, it concludes with, you are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. You are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. I pray the Lord be with you. Thanks. Let's pray together. Father, we open up our hearts to your spirit. Stir up in us new creation, even as we are receiving our salvation today, Lord, in this time. Can we be even present, ever present, about how we are being saved? We ask this uh, in your name and for your sake, Jesus. Amen. Friends, it is Easter. The season of Easter, uh, it does go on and on and on and on and on. It'll go through May uh, for, for almost 50 days. It's a season of new creation, new birth, learning to live into the resurrection. So we're going to spend the next several weeks, six weeks or so, preaching uh, the lectionary text through the book of 1 Peter. Uh, and so this will be our first. And then um, our college of preachers that preach through Lent, they'll be preaching uh, subsequently uh, through different passages in 1 Peter. Today, though, we see in our text, uh, Peter call upon the churches uh, over in his oversight. This is a letter that he sent out to multiple churches, and it was uh, passed around, like they would read it, and they would listen to it, and then they'd pass it on to another church in another town, they'd read it and listen to it, those kinds of things. But today, friends, we proclaim the good news that in a world full of past regret and future fret, in a world full of past regret and future fret, we proclaim that the resurrection frees us to live in hope here and now, no matter what the circumstances. In a world full of past regret and future fret, we proclaim that the resurrection frees us to live in hope here and now, no matter what the circumstances. A number of you have indicated that you recognize I got a haircut this week. Andy, I think you did. Uh, Spencer? Right. So I call it a fade too, uh, but I, I, I realized on Friday that not everyone knows what a fade is. <clears throat> so I'm, I pick up my daughter from uh, pre-K as I do every Friday afternoon, and I tell her, hey, you get to come with daddy today to get his haircut. Uh, and she had lots of questions about what that would entail. Uh, I let her know there'd be suckers and chairs and uh, other uh, barbers, although they're women, what are they called, uh, beauty operators? I don't know what they were, whatever they call themselves, uh, th- that there'd be the people to watch. She lo- my five-year-old loves to watch and imitate uh, what she sees. And there'd be uh, televisions with sports, which I didn't mention that because that's not really a draw for a five-year-old girl. But we drive our way to uh, the barbershop. Now, I have a barbershop uh, that I go to uh, every several weeks or a uh, month or so to get my hair cut. I love, um, I love this barbershop. But I, I, I'm a sucker for deals. And I got a coupon in the mail for a free haircut. Uh, and so I drove up to the new sports clips up in uh, uh, Hamilton Town Center to get my free haircut. And I, and I walk in and I sit down and Cece's sitting right next to me. And, I, and she says, uh, this woman... Uh, she says, Rita is her name. Um, hey, uh, what do you, what, what do you, how do you want me to cut it? I said, just, just a fade. No, just a fade. Uh, start um, zero-ish on the bottom and fade it up into the top. Leave as much on top as you can. And, and the look on her face was like, <laughs> and I thought, 
okay, I'm, I'll explain it again. Like she didn't, she didn't say a word to me. I said, I just want to, I'm just a fade, right? So it's just, you know, a zero on the bottom, you know, maybe a two and then fade it up into the top. And she kind of does a, okay, okay. Starts making small talk and she's getting the thing on and I'm, you know, watching ESPN, talking to her, making sure CC's out of the way of scissors and things. And, and all of a sudden I feel these clippers hit the middle back of my head, just chunk and she comes straight down and I thought that's a pretty high starting spot <laughs> and then something's happening behind me there's a mirror there but I'm I'm just still watching the television and uh next thing I know the general manager of sports clips is next to Rita and sh the general manager starts telling me how 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 we're going to cut my fade and I'm like okay well, thanks for the info. You know, like, this is great. Uh, and I'm thinking, I don't really need to know all this. Like, you're the pro. I'm, you know, I'm the patient. You're the surgeon. Just get her done. Uh, and it's about two minutes into her explaining it to me that I realize she's explaining it to Rita. Rita has no idea how to cut a fade. And so I start, I had this, oh, no in my stomach, like this regret for coming, for being lured in by the free haircut. <laughs> Is this really worth $21? <laughs> that kind of thing. So she's explaining to Rita how to cut a fade, which uh, is thin thinly veiled with explaining me on how they're gonna do the fade. And then, and then the general manager starts doing it, which part of me was relieved. But then part of me's like, I've got two people cutting my hair right now because the one person that I, I thought I was gonna cut my hair. She doesn't really know how to do it. So anyway, so the general manager cuts my hair and, and I realize she's trying to fix this huge chunk that this woman's just taken out of my hair. Um, and, and she works on it for like five or six minutes. And, and, then, and then Rita takes back over and is like, you know, trying to finish it up. And it takes a, a ungodly amount of time. Uh, just a long time to cut it. I'm not sure what a godly amount of time is for haircut, but this is an ungodly amount. And, and, and she gets done, and she, she gives me the mirror, and she says, how does this look? And I'm not kidding, you guys. Like, I had my hair shaved up to, like, right here, and then there was a shelf, and then my hair. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, I'm confused about, I said, it looks like I have a mushroom on top of my head. <laughs> like, I'm confused about what's going on over here. And in the mirror, right, like, Rita's standing here, and I see the general manager, like, at the register, like this, like staring, like watching everything unfold. And I'm just filled with this. So I'm filled with this regret for coming here, but there's like a shift in the midst of a haircut. I don't know if you guys have ever been there before where you're just like, okay, I just need to get out of here now. Like I have lost confidence that this can be like fixed. And now I just need to figure out how to like cut my losses and go pay for a legit haircut. Well, I'm just about ready to, God bless Rita. I'm just about ready to tell Rita, hey, you did, as, you did as good as you could. I need to leave now. Because we're like, we're like pushing 30 minutes on this haircut and it should not take that long. And, and the, the stylist next to us kind of jumps in to help Rita. And she's like, here's what I... So she starts teaching her how to like blend the, um, the shave job into, the, into this, right? And, and so then this other woman... This is the third woman now who's cutting my hair. This, this other woman finishes my haircut, and she actually does a, 
a decent job. Like you can't really, if I didn't tell you that this happened to me, uh, you'd just be like, oh, you got a haircut. Why did you do that? You look weird. So there's a sense in which, uh, 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 so, so anyway, it, it kind of wraps up and Rita's like, you know, you get the free MVP treatment because this is your first, uh, first time at Sports Clips. And I'm like, I don't really feel like an MVP right now. But anyway, I got the hair wash. I got, uh, you know, a neck massage. Uh, she tried to sell me some $80 shampoo. No, thank you. And then uh, my daughter and I left like, like about an hour and 15 minutes after I got there. I know this is humorous, friends. But as I'm sitting in this chair, regretting that I came to sports clips and fretting that like they're going to butcher my head, I realized how much of our, how much of our lives... Can you relate to living in this foreboding sense of regretting past decisions or fretting future possibilities? Can anyone relate to that? Right. And, and so here's what I was struck by. In the grand scheme of things, like this is, like in the slideshow they play at my funeral, this haircut's not going to make it. This isn't a significant event in my life. But as I'm sitting in the chair at 3.53 p.m. on Friday afternoon, I'm realizing how much of my life is lived regretting the past and fretting the future. Even in small things, like fades gone bad. Can you relate to this? Can you relate to living regretting past decisions or fretting future possibilities. Here's the good news today, friends. In the midst of our regret for the past and our fret of the future, we proclaim, we proclaim the goodness of the resurrection that frees us to live in hope here and now, no matter what the circumstances. Let's look at our text today, friends. Peter talks about Several things. He, he talks about freedom from the past and a freedom for the future. He talks about freedom from the past and freedom for the future. Let's look at this together. Verse three, he says, on account of Jesus's vast mercy, he has given us new birth, been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. These, these words, new birth, born anew, uh, living hope, right? This is such religious language. Like I think of Billy Graham when I hear this language. I don't know if you do. But this, this phrase, being born again or being born anew or having new birth. Friends, listen to this. This just means that there's now a new way of seeing and being where you have a clean slate with God's hand on your back. The resurrection provides new birth, a new reality opens up for us where there's a new way of being. We're not tethered to past mistakes. A new way of seeing. Everything has changed because of the resurrection. Where we're given a clean slate with God's hand at our back. The resurrection, friends, of Jesus Christ from the dead is, is humanity's future that breaks into our past in one person. Jesus shows us what the future will be like. He gives us 
this, this, this picture of what it looks like to be uh, a new human, a new creation. So whatever regrets you have, friends, they could be 10 years ago. They could be 10 minutes ago. It could be this morning, last week. Bad choices, poor decisions. Whatever they are. Will you unclench your soul from being shackled to the past? Will you receive this gift of new birth? Born again. A new way of being and seeing with a clean slate and God's hand at your back. Because friends, in a, in a world full of regret, today we proclaim the good news of the resurrection that frees us to live in hope, here and now, no matter your circumstances. It's good news, right? It's good news. So there's freedom from regret. Verses four and five, there's a freedom for the future, right? Peter tells us, you have a pure and enduring inheritance that can't perish, and an inheritance that is kept safe in heaven for you. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. Notice, notice how salvation is talked about in Peter. We're going to see this over and over and over in Easter, and it's super important for our, for our post-Christian 21st century context. Salvation is talked about primarily as a future reality. Not as something that happened to me at four years old in Sunday school or 14-year-old in summer camp or a 40-year-old at a great banquet weekend. Salvation is talked about not as a past thing that, that, that I did, but as a future thing that God is doing. So the salvation is an inheritance. It's a, so maybe, maybe if we were thinking about salvation with Peter's imagination, when, when people asked us, when were you saved? Uh, we could answer with something like, when Jesus Christ showed me my future 2,000 years ago. When were you saved? 2,000 years ago. When Jesus Christ showed me my future. Yeah. So salvation isn't just a launching pad, friends. It's a homing beacon. It's not just the port of call, it's the lighthouse. It's not just, uh, it's not just the, the engine, but it's the, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the destination. It's not just the propellant, but it's a, it's a magnet. It draws us into something. Salvation is this great force that draws us into the future. It's not, our salvation isn't just a fact, but it's a hope. It's a hope. Uh, I'm at Starbucks this morning, and I'm uh, doing my, my normal Sunday morning routine. I get my little uh, Qdoba breakfast uh, bowl with chicken and potatoes and all the salsas. And I, I bring it in to, to Starbucks, and I get my coffee, and I sit down, and I'm eating it. And this family walks in, um, and it was like 38 degrees this morning. It was pretty cold. And uh, this family walks in, and the and this, this girl walks in in shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt. And I'm like, goodness, 
like no coat, nothing, right? And then this, her brother walks in the same way, and then the mom walks in, and they look like they're in their pajamas. And I'm like, who gets out of bed and kind of strolls into the Starbucks at 38 degrees in their pajamas, like on a Sunday morning, right, in, in cold weather with their, like, summer clothes on? And it dawned on me, like, this Starbucks that I'm at is right by this huge hotel that sits on the interstate. And it dawned on me, this family's on vacation. Like, they're, 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 they're in, in the midst of a journey going somewhere, probably warm. They're just not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, this is, a, this is an illustration of, of hope. What it means to live, to be freed for future, is to live in hope. And hope is this. Hope is the attitude and the posture of one who is being drawn into the future by love. It's the attitude and posture of someone who's being drawn into a future that's just full of love. So these, this family was traveling in hope. And even though it was freezing, they were, they were, dressed, for, they were dressed to impress. They were dressed for the warmth. That's what it means to live in hope. Living in hope is, is being at work Friday afternoon and doing all the work in anticipation of the weekend. Living in hope is the last week of school before summer break. When you can get through anything. You can get through anything because you know what used to be almost four months but now is barely two months of summer break is coming. In a world full of past regret and future fret, friends, today we proclaim the resurrection frees us to live here and now no matter what the circumstances and hope. Finally, friends, we're freed from the past. We're freed for the future. And we're freed from the fret that our present circumstances show us. Verses six through eight, Peter talks about suffering, that you're going through various trials right now. And even though you're going through various tests or trials or sufferings, I forget what the, uh, the translation that uh, Dave read today, something like uh, disturbances or something was like, you know, that no matter, no matter that, that there is still hope. Notice, friends, that the text tells us that suffering is inevitable. That suffering can be beneficial. And that even in the midst of suffering, there is room for joy. Friends, that, that suffering is inevitable is, pushes up against sort of the dominant gospel of America. Which is that each of us deserves an easy, convenient, comfortable life. That the God of ease and comfort demands uh, our worship by, by our assumption that everything will be smooth and easy and hunky-dory and haircuts will go exactly like you've planned, etc. And so if anything thwarts us, if anything impedes us, if anything doesn't go as planned, if anything out of our control inconveniences us, there's this sense of, do you know who I am? How dare you? Suffering happens, friends, or fret, as I'm calling it here. Fret or worry happens when, when, when we have a desire to control or manage situations or people. 
when we have expectations or demands we make on others or our environment and those expectations aren't met. The suffering uh, for Peter's, uh, the people in Peter's, I guess, care or congregations was legit like some of it was being shut out of economic structures, being a Jesus follower meant you're no longer in the family business because uh, if you're not worshiping the family gods, then you're going to bring calamity upon the family business. It could have been social, that people might have lost business deals with other people or might have lost a, sp- a spouse. A spouse might have left them because they became a Christian. Our suffering tends to be less, um, it, it tends to be less overt in the West, but it still exists, right? There's physical, emotional, internal suffering. The pain of a, failed relationship or brokenness inside. Emotional anxiety, turmoil, fear. Or physically, external. Your, your body is hurting. You're unable to have children. A relationship hasn't gone the way it should. You keep calling out to God for a new job and you still have the same sucktastic one. But Even though suffering is inevitable, friends, (laughs) the fact that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and we have a living hope that we're living towards a future salvation, suffering doesn't have the final word. Amen? Suffering produces genuine faith, Peter tells us. Uh, A long time ago, friends, um, a long time ago, I worked for a very brief amount of time as a personal trainer. And... uh, part of the logic of personal training is part of the logic of how the New Testament talks about suffering. In, in particular, right here. Because in, in personal training, people would pay me to make them hurt. People would pay me so I, could, so I would put them through some kind of workout that would exhaust them. Another way to say it is, people would pay me to make them suffer. Now, there's suffering that is not good for them, Right? I could just drop heavy weights on their head for half an hour. They wouldn't pay me again for that, but you know, that would make them suffer. They pay me for a kind of suffering that lives, that leads them towards something in the future. They pay me to help them suffer because they want to, they're suffering in hope that they'll be in better shape on the other side of it. Are you following me? This is how Peter sees suffering. Just like lifting weights and running uh, <clears throat> purifies and makes genuine our physical fitness, strengthens our bodies. So Peter is saying the suffering you're going through today is strengthening your faith, is making genuine and purifying your faith so that you can lay hold of this new creation when it comes. In a world full of past regret, and future fret, friends, today we proclaim the resurrection frees us to live in hope. Here and now, no matter, no matter what the circumstances are. So how do we respond to this, friends? We're freed from our past. We're freed for a future. And in the meantime, here and now, even though we suffer, we're living in hope. How do we respond to this today, right now? Well, friends, I think the first thing is we just own our regrets and our frets. God is so real that he most fully meets you where you really are. And so one way to not respond to this 
is to try to psych ourselves out of our anxiety or our regret and just worship God. God doesn't want to be used as an escape. God wants you to meet him in reality. So we own our regrets and our frets. And in the midst of that, we submit them to God and we do what Peter says here. We rejoice. Although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him with your regrets and your frets and rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. So friends, let's respond by owning our regrets. Maybe there's one heavy burden you've been carrying around or a minor thing like I got too worked up about a haircut on Friday and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed by how my irritation with Rita and my daughter how it impacted them I regret that maybe it's a fret maybe it's a worry hey we're trying to plant a church in the midst of the suburbs where there's 843 churches, nothing like our church. And I'm not sure it's going to work. Which is no big deal. It's just my entire family and vocations tied up in it. That's a little more of a fret than my hair might look bad for a couple weeks. So how do we deal with that? That, that causes suffering. Yeah? That causes anxiety and, and worry. How do we deal with that? We own it. We own it. We proclaim that God's at work in the midst of it, that his resurrection is mighty over it, and we rejoice. We rejoice in the living hope. So let's use this phrase in our bulletins today to pray together. Um, Lord, I confess my regret of or my fretting about so regret would be past and fret would be future. I hope that's clear. <laughs> I, I confess, just this is where I am today. This is what I'm in touch with. This isn't about making an exhaustive list. This is about where am I living here and now? And then just affirming, today I choose to rejoice in your new creation. So the confession is, is a here I am, meet me here, and then making the choice to rejoice in the midst of our sufferings. Does that make sense, friends? So let me give you an example here. <sighs> Lord, I confess my fretting about being the right kind of church in the wrong place. <laughs> but today I choose to rejoice in your new creation. Lord, in your mercy. Let's, uh, let's spend some time doing that out loud together. <laughs>